to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Hey everyone, if you didn't get a chance to be part of the Stressless Success Workshop, I wanted to give you a little taste of what that experience is like. So I'm going to be putting some clips up from that 90-minute experience just to give you a little bit of a sense of how they work and just how much you can learn and transform by being a part of one of these. This first part is all about what really causes stress and burnout, and surprisingly, it's not just based in having too much to do. So take a listen. I hope you enjoy it. But when we use these somatic techniques where we are outwardly telling our body that it's safe and that it can calm down, it really does help turn off that stress response. Plug into this as much as you need to in order to calm yourself down get your heart and your brain waves in what's called a state of coherence. In our AEC industry, where there can be a lot of systemic codependency going on, and we kind of get trained from when we are in school and it gets perpetuated throughout our careers, this idea that we have to be perfect, that we have to overperform, that we have to do whatever it takes to be liked, even if it means we don't necessarily always feel that we are getting our own needs met, that we need to compare ourselves to other people all the time, and that we have to get approval at any cost. So these are all things that probably you can relate to and probably have experienced at least once during your career, and they kind of perpetuate through and they lead us to believe that work-life balance is a myth or that we have to leave our jobs in order to feel good or only work part-time or that we can't really have the career that we want to have. And that just isn't really true. And while I don't have it perfect yet, I don't think any of us ever will, I have really consciously in my career tried to practice differently, and I can tell you that I've had a lot of success on my terms, choosing to do the things that matter to me and not falling as much. I mean, I still catch myself, I still have to work, and I'm still learning new things all the time too, but being more conscious of when I'm getting into that stress trap and getting thrown out of balance and using a lot of the things I'm going to talk to you about today to get out of it. Not only is stress unhealthy for our physical and mental state, but it leads to burnout when stress is chronic. As an architect, you wouldn't 
design a building that didn't meet code. You wouldn't allow your client to make a really bad decision. You would help them understand the pros and cons of what they were doing and guide them to what was going to serve them best. Yet when it comes to our own careers and our own health and well-being, we don't take nearly that much care. And I want you to be as much of an advocate for your well-being and your why so you can have a meaningful, purposeful career that feeds your soul as you are for your buildings, because you are more important than the buildings, right? The buildings are there for the people, and you are one of those people. In 2021, Monograph did a survey that showed that 96.6% of architects, that is a staggering number, right, reported experiencing burnout. They said this wasn't caused by the coronavirus, although that made things worse. But what they said caused the burnout are some pretty typical things. Heavy workload, working long hours, including off-the-clock hours, when you feel that pressure to get something done and you feel like you can't build the time even. Limited control over your work with a lot of dependencies. So feeling like you're going to get all of the blame, but none of the credit, and you can't really set up those situations for success. If you experience this a lot, not only does it cause stress, but over time, it causes burnout. Burnout happens when we don't feel supported, when we do a lot of work, more work than we can handle, and we don't have a network of people. There are 12 stages of burnout, all the way from stage one, where you just feel a strong need to prove yourself because you think that if you work harder, you're going to snap out of it. And step two, where you keep working harder and harder and trying to overcome things. Step three, where you begin to neglect your own needs. And this begins to progress. And in the later stages, like in stage 10, you feel empty and numb inside. Stage 11, you start to become depressed. And stage 12, where you mentally and physically just shut down. It doesn't just hurt us physically, as if that isn't bad enough. But why are we working so hard? We're working so hard because we want to make things. We want to do things. We want to build things. Yet our lifestyle and our work environment is creating conditions that are actually undermining our creativity. If you think about this, creativity is at the core of what we do. But what is creative? Creative is generative, right? It's an act of generosity. It involves giving of resources. And that just can't happen when your resources are being depleted. Think about how many times during the day you are being diverted from doing creative work and instead feeling like you have to do depleting work, demanding work that's not creative. What proportion of your day is that? Do you ever feel like you can handle it or feel on top of it? 
if you can't get to at least 20 or 30% of your day being these creative generative activities, you're heading down a road to be depleted. There's been a lot of medical research lately on fascia, which is otherwise known as connective tissue. Fascia wraps around all of our organs, all of our muscles. It also is embedded into our cellular structure. So our fascia, as we are learning through latest medical research, it's not just holding things together, but it is actually transmitting information. And a lot of that information is emotional encoding. So when we feel stressed out, when we haven't been taking care of ourselves, our fascia are building up toxins. And that is slowly beginning to rewire our genetics. It's also having a big impact on our immediate health. And it also can affect the aging process. I like to talk about us having four bodies. So we know we have a physical body. We can see it, feel it, touch it. But part of our physical body is an endocrine system and our fascia system. And our endocrine system releases hormones. Those hormones are tied to our emotions and they impact all of our body systems. We have 12 different body systems, all which can be impacted when we have negative emotions that cause stress or when we have positive emotions like dopamine and oxytocin running through our system. So it really is tied to our well-being. A lot of it is also tied to our mental body and our spiritual body. It can be as simple as in our spiritual body, this is where our beliefs are formed. And while there certainly are religious beliefs, we have a lot of other beliefs that are not religious, but that still impact us. And a belief is nothing more than something that you don't question being true. We may have been taught it as a child from someone else we knew, loved, or trusted who also believed that, or we may have caught it. In other words, we put it together based on deductions we made about cause and effect. Like, for example, my dad works really hard to get ahead, and that means he's never home. So therefore, to be successful, I have to work really hard, and I have to choose between a career and my family. And I don't want to do that because I've now got the belief that work and success mean that I don't get to have anything else in my life. And I don't want that. I don't like that. So I'm always going to sabotage myself. So you can see how those beliefs are starting to derail your success. So that is our spiritual body generating those beliefs. But then we go from belief to thought. And our thoughts then start to inform how we feel. Because as we start to think about situations, we have a reaction to them that is emotional and it can run the gamut, but there's always some reaction. So when we have those reactions, it is actually impacting 
all of our endocrine system, which in turn is impacting our physical body. A lot going on there, and it works both ways. So when we don't take care of our physical body, when we don't get enough sleep, when we don't eat well, when we don't move, we are then creating a negative cycle up the chain. When we don't have enough sleep, we're wired and tired, and then we can't relax. We're too heat up. And if you've ever experienced that, that is a sign, a symptom of the stress and of the burnout. Now you continue to be sleep deprived. Well, studies have shown that when you are sleep deprived, you are as impaired when you're driving as a drunk driver. How much just being sleep deprived is impacting your cognitive function? How much it is impacting your ability to make good decisions, your reaction times? All of that is getting impacted. Our brain really cannot distinguish between how we feel and what we imagine and what we actually physically experience. And that's why you see a lot of athletes, they will do visioning exercises to imagine a successful outcome. They're imagining all of this so that then when they go to do it, they're body is like, I got this. I know this. Yeah. Yeah. I got this. And research has really backed this up. You may not be actually facing a stressful situation right now in this moment, but just simply worrying about something and feeling that stress, your body does activate the whole stress response. The only way to get out of that is to radically redefine how we look at the things that cause us stress and to understand that stress is not directly correlated to time that we spend doing a task or accomplishing a certain career milestone or getting the validation or the approval from somebody else in order to feel good about ourselves. And I know I spent a lot of the early years of my life, definitely in the early years of my career, never quite feeling good enough. So, you know, I grew up in a family that has an Italian heritage and I'm only a second generation American. So there was a lot of pressure that my family put, not just on me, but on others too, that we had to achieve and we had to be good enough. And my mother and my grandparents firsthand experienced a lot of discrimination because people didn't want immigrants around. They were called dirty. They were called stupid. And the family worked very hard to prove to people that they were not that. You know, you could have gone to my grandparents' house and everything was always immaculate and perfect because they'd internalized all of that criticism and they were busy proving to everybody that they were in fact not that, that they were just as good, that they could do things, that they deserved to have what they had, that they worked hard. 
And as you can imagine, that begins to get embedded in the psyche. And I remember my mother always pushing me if I didn't get straight A's, why didn't I get straight A's? And when I accomplished something, that was great. And she was proud of me. But then it was what's next? What more can you do? What more can you be? And so I then have spent a lot of my early years feeling that one, no matter what I did, it wasn't good enough. So I had to keep doing more. I had to keep proving myself that I was only as good as the last accomplishment. So I spent a lot of time chasing validation. But also, if you feel like you're never good enough, you also start to compare yourself to other people a whole lot because you start to say, well, that person got what I'm supposed to want. And this is what they showed up looking like, right? These are the actions they took. These are the things they accomplished. So if I can do what they're doing, then I should be able to get where they are. Of course, it's never that linear. And success doesn't look like what it looks like for your friend or another person you know, or what it looked like for your uncle or your boss. It doesn't. It looks like what it looks like for you. And so I would try to do in the early years of my career what I saw, quote unquote, successful people doing. I was sizing up everybody all the time saying, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Can I do it like they do it? What are they doing that I'm not doing? Yet, that wasn't getting me the success that I really wanted. It was just making me feel bad about myself when I didn't get those things. And what I really had to learn, and I want to talk about today, is that success comes when you feel good about what you're doing when the work you're doing is meaningful and purposeful. Other people notice that and reward you for that because they see your passion. They see your no matter what attitude. They see your energy and your resourcefulness and your creativity and your resilience because you don't stop. If something doesn't work out, you don't take a no as being shut down. You take a no as a not yet because you have the conviction behind what you're doing. And you're not saying, look at me. Did I earn my prize yet? You're saying, come with me because this is really exciting. And this thing that I am so lit up about, it's bigger than me. It's more important than my ego. It is something that's cause. It is something that is a movement. It is something that is going to make a difference. And it's going to take more than just me to be able to do it. I'm just one voice. And when I started to do that, when I started to really Stop worrying about whether or not I was a project manager and then becoming a project manager and then hating becoming a project manager and worrying about whether I was getting promoted or not promoted and just started focusing on 
the research work I love so much and educating my clients on why they needed to think about well-being and design and how to design for well-being, all of a sudden, I could let go of all of that pushing energy that is so aggressive because when we're pushing, it's because we feel threatened. And when we feel threatened, we're in that stress response. On the other hand, when I could just do the things I love to do, and I wasn't doing them 100% of the workday, but again, getting just that 20 or 30% of time a day into that effort, all of a sudden, I wasn't stressed out. All of a sudden, I was excited and I was energized and it felt like there was meaning and value and purpose in what I was doing. I wanted to share it and I wanted to collaborate and I wanted to amplify it, not worry about myself, worry about the cause, the greater purpose, the greater meaning. So one, people could very clearly understand what I loved, what I wanted to do, what I was known for. They could start to see me as a go-to person for that issue. And my career took off. I not only finally got the promotions I wanted, but I started getting speaking opportunities. I was encouraged to apply for fellowships in ACHA and the AIA. I have now reached a point where I get invited to speak and paid to speak about the things I love. And when we feel like that, when the work we do is something that we get to do. I mean, I feel it is such a privilege to get to work at this level and get to do these things and to have this impact. That's a big shift than when we are talking about work that we have to do. Because the work that we have to do is draining and depleting. And we worry about the consequences of not getting it done. And we trigger this whole stress response and we trigger this burnout that eventually comes because we're never going to get there. No matter how much we do the busy work, we're never going to get there. And if we let that be what holds us back, then we never get to experience the meaningfulness and the joy that comes when we get to do work we love. And the work we love is the key to our success. If you're intrigued by what you heard today and you'd like to learn even more about the topics of how our understanding of the world can impact the choices we make, as well as dive a little deeper into this idea of defining success on our own terms instead of overperforming or chasing validation, then check out my Stressless Success course. You can find it at architectingpodcast.com. I really hope you'll join me because we're going to have so much fun hanging out for eight weeks really going deep into a lot of the different issues that impact the clarity that we have around our purpose, how brave we can feel about making that purpose a priority 
as well as leading a life that feels fun and satisfying, not draining and depleting. So check it out at Architecting Podcast. I'd love to work with you. Thank you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired.